0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time for another podcast, 50 Shades of K with me, your host, Elizabeth K. Thanks so much for listening. And don't forget, you can also subscribe to this podcast through Google Play or iTunes. And if you're willing, please leave a review, but only if it's a nice one. No, I'm I'm just kidding. You could say whatever you want, but please leave a review. And as always, you can find us at 991themix.com where we post this podcast. And today I'm joined with my friend Tammy Flynn. I met Tammy professionally and then we became friends. She is the owner of Elegant Salon and Spa in New Berlin where I had my bachelorette spa party. (laughs) If you're looking for a fun time... Definitely go to Elegant Salon and Spa. They will take care of you. But Tammy's actually here to talk about what it's like to be a parent with a child of special needs. And Tammy, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join me here today. I know you're getting over a cold a little bit. Yes, yes. And this is your first time doing the podcast. You wanted me to make sure I mentioned it, and you're going to be great. Because you and I met when I interviewed you for with some of the charity events that you do.
1: Right. First
0: podcast, not first time on the
1: radio, um, but just getting back into things after um, being home, actually, with my special needs son for about a year. And it's going to be a little bit over a year now um, that I have been home with him, taking care of him after yeah. a critical surgery that he had had. So. And we're, we're
0: going to get into that quite a bit here in just a second. But speaking of podcasting, can we put a little teaser out there that <laughs> you are... Thinking about doing your own podcast specifically for... Parents, caretakers, correct? Right. This would be for anyone
1: with different abilities, mental and medical illnesses, as well as their caregivers that take care of them. Just looking to provide some education, some support, and some empowerment for them. Being home for the last year, I mean, obviously, I have been a special needs mom for almost 20 years now, so it has been a very, very long haul. But this last year has really opened my eyes to a few new avenues. And realizing that there is such a need out there of content that us as caregivers and in that type of community cannot get and receive. And so I feel like there are some specific things that we really could do to really bring apart that, you
0: know, and offer support. And Tammy, Mm -hmm. when the time comes, you're ready to publicly launch that podcast. I'd love for you to be back on 50 Shades of K to talk Mm -hmm. about your podcast. So use this podcast to promote your podcast, because there are a lot of people that I feel will benefit from what you're going to be working on, because as I know you, you are a hard worker and when you are committed to something you are committed to it you, oh you really goodness. you are though Tammy you're, you're a really amazing. hard worker now you have four children yeah we're gonna kind of this podcast is going to sort of take all of you through the journey that's Tammy and her family and her son Marcus's journey because there are people listening to this podcast from all walks of life that are in different parts of their journey perhaps a young parent that's listening that now has a young child with special needs that are thinking, mm-hmm. What are the next 18 plus years going to be like? There are also people that maybe it's just a caretaker of an an adult taking care of their parents. And they're trying to deal with the issues that comes with with that and Mm -hmm. taking care of someone that's elderly. And for you, too, what we're going to talk about is what life is like now that your child is an adult child and is likely going to have to be living with you and forever. under your care, like you said, for as forever. long as you're here, you're, forever, right, as long right. as you're here. So first, now, take us back to when Marcus was yes, born. born.
1: When he was born. What, what um,
0: happened? What What's going on with Marcus?
1: When he was born, I had absolutely no idea that he was going to be born with any issues whatsoever. When Marcus was born, though, we found out very shortly, hours after he was born, he was not sucking appropriately, he didn't have all of the correct responses, um, he wasn't stooling. He was jaundice. I also hemorrhaged right before having him as well. Wow. And so there was a lot in that in that 24 hours before he was born. You know, I was sick, sick, sick up until that time with the morning sickness and then got to the hospital, hemorrhaged, and then had all of these trickling down effects. Now, me being a very, very young mom at the time, you know, I was just taking it all in. I was trying to figure out, okay, is there something I'm doing wrong? Um, is there something that I have missed? And And having two children prior to Marcus, I can tell you that they didn't have any medical issues aside from like having tubes in their ears, you know, and so they're in in your common cold. So when I was thinking about it, I'm like, is there something that we're missing? What's going on? I still, whether being young or not, thought that I was pretty global and kind of reviewing what was going on um, at the hospital. So that started. um, We ended up staying at the hospital a few extra days because of the hemorrhaging. And that also Marcus was jaundice. I came home and from that point on not continuing to keep his feeds down. So he was um, throwing up all of his feeds that he had, not stooling on his own, kind of lethargic in many different ways. So so you went back
0: to the doctor and what did they what did they oh tell my you? gosh! It
1: was what I could tell you, Elizabeth. It, it's the hardest thing to say when I go back to that moment was it was like this hurricane. It was like a typhoon. Like, I didn't know what to do first. I had two children that were at home that still needed my attention. I had to work. And then I had Marcus, who had all of these issues. And I felt like I was at the hospital, on the phone with the doctor, at the hospital, at the doctor's office. Within the first three weeks, he had his first ear infection, which then led into, before he was six months old, having 13 infections. In addition to having these multiple GI issues. What did they diagnose him um, with? They didn't know. There was, absolutely nothing they knew except for uh, he continued to develop fluid. His ear canals were shaped the wrong way. He had developed fluid in his nasal passages as well as in his ears. So at six months old, he actually went and had surgery to have tubes put in his ears. And
0: At this time, how were you feeling? Were you still feeling just very confused and overwhelmed? I was very confused
1: because with the ear infections, as you know, when you have pressure in your ears, you're not sleeping. So then they had him sleeping in a swing and then they had him sleeping in a car seat. And then on top of that, he was throwing up all of his feeds. So then they were changing The formula that he was eating, thinking he was allergic to this, he was allergic to that, could it be this? Then he couldn't stool. So then they're like, well, maybe it's Hirschsprungs, which is like a a disease that you can have within— your GI system. I won't go all into that. <laughs> um, but there was the list of GI disorders that he could have. Then they were like, maybe he has a form of spina bifida, maybe he has this. And I'm telling you, it was like a bad, bad typhoon. It just everyone kept the hits throwing just out ideas. Uh, yes, coming. and it was from every aspect to the way he ate, to the way he went to the bathroom, to having a cold, to having sinus issues, to not moving. So it wasn't until he was nine months old. So the doctors, we were just tackling like. Getting him better, so he was basically on antibiotics from the time he was about three weeks old until he was probably at least a year old. So then you have all the issues. Well, is this happening because of the antibiotics? You know what I'm saying, Tammy? He's been sick, so that's why he's not moving. That's why he's more lethargic. He's been sick. He's been sick. So finally, it came to, and he was nine months old, and I just felt like something was wrong. And I have an amazing pediatrician, and the doctors at Children's Hospital are amazing. But what I can tell you is, is that everyone is human. And sometimes when you have this boatload of things thrown at you, doctors are really not sure what the answer is. You know, like we all think we're going to go to the doctor and we're going to get the answer. Sometimes they don't know. They're like, well, it would seem like he must have this condition going on or this condition. But then you test for it and it's not that condition. And it's like you're just playing this guessing game with them. So at nine months old, I took him to his pediatrician and I just said to her, I'm like, but he's not doing anything. Like he was like a doll. Like, he was like a rag doll. Like he wasn't, he wasn't really doing, reacting to anything? No, no. He wasn't, you know, practicing to sit up. He wasn't starting to crawl. He wasn't picking his head up. And I'm like, I get it that he's been so sick that we've had him in all these other apparatuses that maybe could be inhibiting him from moving. But I'm like, I, I just didn't feel. And my gut was telling me that there had to be something else. So then what did your pediatrician mm, say? Um, she's like, you know what, Tammy, I, I, I validate what you're saying. But I do feel a lot of it has to do with the fact that we don't know why he's sick if he has a syndrome if he doesn't yeah were they What's doing any kind out? of
0: chromosomal testing or anything like that that did not testing? come till
1: way after that okay um, because there were so many I guess like when you're trying to get a child to eat and he was becoming failure to thrive you know what I'm saying which means yeah. he wasn't taking enough nutrition there's bigger things to deal with right than trying to figure that out at the moment so she told me she was going to send me to curative to the birth to three program for an evaluation And it was that day I took Marcus in and met some amazing women who are still my close friends to this day. My very, very first support system within all of this.
0: And I'm sure Um, that's important at a time like this. mm -hmm. And for people that are listening that are going through this, you have (laughs) to find a strong support system, I would imagine. Because otherwise you feel like you're probably just drowning and there's no one (laughs) there throwing you a life vest to help Mm -hmm. you and
1: I can tell you sometimes it's not our families and it's not our close friends because a lot of times in the very beginning because a lot of times family wants to put their input in well maybe you're doing this you know what I'm saying you have a new baby well maybe you should be trying this are you giving him enough vitamins
0: are you doing this like some of those ridiculous things that's probably kind of hurtful Mm -hmm. although intentions I'm sure were Mm -hmm. great but that's probably hurtful because you're thinking as a mom yes I'm trying to do the best that I can but you're also trying to follow what doctors are saying as well right so right. now the support system, they, right. and so, were I mean, they parents? Were they fellow parents? That they you were met? not
1: fellow parents. They were actually um, my like my first counselor through the Birth to Three program at Curative, as well as my first PT. And I remember, because I finally felt like I was at home, like somebody understood what I was saying, like I wasn't making something up. You know, like when you're talking to your family and friends, they're like, well, maybe you should, like I said, maybe you should do this or maybe you should do that. And so she did the evaluation on Marcus and Marcus was just going on. He was about between nine and 10 months. Old At the time, by the time we got in for the appointment and she came to me to tell me that he was functioning at less than a one month old level. Oof. And
0: oh, at tanny. that time,
1: like I knew that there, I, I was like, okay, that not, it, it validated, but now I was like, all right, um, Okay. So now what? Now what? Now what? So now we have all these medical issues, but now I know that there's some other disconnect. I knew that there was some other disconnect. So... On that journey of starting the therapy, going through the process, it actually wasn't until Marcus was three years old, we had exhausted, I'm telling you, five billion tests. Um, we had done
0: everything and left no stone unturned. You told me that one time um, that he's had he's had almost everything he tested. tested. He's been almost every kind of specialist yes, out there.
1: Yes, he has. We've seen every single clinic. We have been have every test, and they decided, the neurology team at Children's Hospital decided to to do a nerve and a muscle biopsy, which they take part of it out of your thigh and part of it out of the back of your ankle um, when he was about three years old to see if we could figure out because everyone was looking at him. And as he was aging, they were like looking at the back of his ears and they're like, oh, that looks syndromatic. And they were looking at the way his back, like the way his skin folds were. And they were looking at the shape of his toes and his feet. And they're like, well, that's syndromatic. But we don't we don't know what syndrome he has, you know, and we don't know why there's this delay. Why is he three years old? Old and he's not doing anything. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, we were so far behind. So they did that biopsy, and that biopsy at least showed that there was an insult. So Marcus has what's called encephalopathy. They believe that that happened in utero until he was about two and a half years old. There was an insult to the brain. Where there was nerve breakage and they felt as if some sometime between like that three and four year old age range that did stop. It slowed down at a rate or else it would have been catastrophic. You know what I'm saying? Because as you know, and you've met Marcus before, I mean, the boy can talk. Yes, (laughs) he he talks a lot. He talks a lot. He's funny. And so he would have lost even more. What it did was it gave him extreme splintered skills as well as giving him a huge cognitive and developmental delay. On a side note to that, he was also born with a boatload of medical issues, which obviously now that we're almost on year 20, we have, you know, diagnosed every single thing from bleeding disorders to metabolism disorders to issues with our GI system to, you know what I'm saying, sinus issues. I mean, the the list goes on to probably 30 items.
0: Now, how does it work, though, with Marcus for um, what happens now that he's 20 years old because he's going to be living with you? like you said your your words forever what happens now when he he's an adult i mean will he be out will will he be getting a job one day is that the hope what are your plans that you have for him um, looking into the future here. And I, I understand yeah. it's all very unpredictable with Marcus. Right.
1: And I think very much so in any different abilities, you know, scenario for, you know, children that are growing. I think that there's a lot of unknown. But what I always say is, you know, the best thing that you can do is plan for what's in your control. So the things that you know right now, the things that are accessible to you right now, start planning and utilizing and growing upon those things. That's true for any life
0: situation. And I, I need to take note of that because sometimes a lot of us worry about what's to come, right, what right. could happen, and the coulds never actually do. Right in his situation
1: Marcus like I said this year will be 20 right before he I was just like I was saying that he was home for an extensive spinal surgery this past year but right before that that year before that he had turned 18 and I can tell you that as parents are going through that process of them becoming a child to an adult it is a crazy new hurricane for you to undertake because now you have this world where you're like okay not only is your child going to graduate to being an adult I feel like uh a lot changes um the first step is is that when they're transitioning from that 17 to 8 year 18 year old age range is when you have to start seeking guardianship so and then it's deciding what level of guardianship do you feel that your child is going to need? You know, then looking at their like estate, their assets, all of that. Are you going to be the guardian over all of that as well? And so just about two years ago, I embarked on that, which I have to say was it was its own new like tornado, I had called six different lawyers. I had, you know, talked yeah, to the what state. Is,
0: what is the process for that? I mean, are there websites? Do you go to the internet for these resources? You can go, you know, you can go to a website and it kind of, it, it walks you through Do, it. Is I there know one in particular t- that you went to that you can remember? Um, no, just
1: the, just the state. Just okay. a normal state services. You also, I know that Children's Hospital does put on a program. So they put on a program, I believe it's every few months that you can go to, like obtaining uh, obtaining guardianship, um, where they there's a lawyer there who kind of explains it to you. Some people just do it right through the state where the state does the legal paperwork for them. Some people outside, they get an attorney. But there's all these variables. Like, why would you want an attorney? A lot of times, if you are a single Parent, or you know, in a divorce situation, you definitely want an attorney. You don't want to do that's it your situation. That's yes, why you, you don't want to do it without an attorney to make sure bases are covered, or. If you haven't been through the process or don't feel like you're getting enough information from the state just doing it for you would be another reason that you may want to use an attorney as well. Um, but what I found is in calling the attorneys, I called six different guardianship attorneys and I got six different answers. So oh, that's exhausting. Um, and
0: that's what a lot of parents are dealing yes. with. They're getting so many different like you so, said, from yes. all sides, everyone has a different opinion or a different suggestion. How do you know which one is the right one? Right. Probably the person who
1: took the amount of time to talk to you on the phone that was willing to give you that time to do a sit down with you, you know? Yeah. But, and
0: perhaps it is kind of a preference because a lot of people have different preference of bedside manner, so to speak. Right, and right. depending on what you felt comfortable with. Right. Because like you said, this, I, is, this is the future of your child.
1: Right. And I feel like when we talk about our kids, that engagement and whether that be on an attorney's level, a doctor's level, your healthcare providers, you know, level, the, the, the programs that you put your children into. I mean, because you're advocating for them on a daily basis and you're looking for what is in their best interest all of the time because they're not always able to advocate for themselves and maybe they don't have a voice and you are their voice is that I think that it becomes just astronomical to you to make sure, you know what I'm saying, that they are in the best hands, that yep. the person who is doing this cares for you. Um, I found with the actual court process, um, Marcus did not have to be at the court proceedings. A lot of times the kids do have to be at the court proceedings. So they can
0: sort of make their own
1: um, they, observations? They have to be there to be, to be present. But for me, I felt as a parent, for my son, as you know, Marcus, um, he has very many splintered skills, but he is very aware Of when people are talking down in a way to him. Um, Not all children are, but he is. And so I felt having to hear a judge basically say your child will never vote, your child will never get married, your child will never do these things, would have been detrimental in different ways emotionally for him. Sure. Um, And, you know, if I would go back to when he was first born to that day sitting in court, there were many tears after I left the courtroom. Um, And I would say that because I think when your child is born or there is an onset of an injury, maybe they're in a car accident and they end up getting a major brain injury and things are never the same. There is this grieving process you go through, the process of of what you thought was going to be. Or could have been, or how your whole entire life is going to change, and I and then
0: to have a judge say the, uh, these things right, to you, right?
1: And so when when they're little, I think that you go through that process, and then you know the next step is well, you got to get down to business. Like you got to get down to taking care, finding out the medical illnesses. What are you going to do next? At the age of eighteen, and when you go through that process as a parent that has advocated his whole life to sit in a courtroom. And to listen to a judge re-say those things to you that you already know, you you know these things, like you don't need anyone to tell you that they're yeah. going to be there um, you know, and with you forever. But to hear them, I feel like that, I guess the best preparation is being emotionally prepared. Because I think as advocates, we we all get into it and we're like, sign the paper, get it done, find the best attorney. It kind of becomes this. your
0: job. Not right. that there's not an emotional attachment to your right. child, but you're kind of, right. you kind of have your business hat on. Right. It's a job, right. you're right. There's an emotional right. side. And the grieving process, there was a friend of mine whose son was born with Down syndrome. And they they did know that this was what was going to happen. They found, found out through ultrasounds and everything that this was going to happen. And she had posted a poem or something or a short story on Facebook that it's something about going to Holland. Have you heard mm-hmm. this Holland poem? Mm-hmm. It sort of talks about how... You were planning on taking a trip to Italy. I mean, it's all very metaphoric. Mm-hmm. You're planning on taking a trip to Italy and all of a sudden your plane lands in Holland. And you're like, this this isn't what I planned on. This is, wasn't what was supposed to happen. I was supposed to be down in Rome. I was supposed to be on the ocean, not supposed to be in Holland. But then you, you realize while she's in Holland, again, this is all just metaphoric, that there are beautiful things in Holland. There are right. wonderful things to see in Holland, even though it may not be what you originally planned. And that's right. sort of what you're speaking to. Right.
1: I mean, and you you get to that point. I can, I can tell you that there is not a day go, that goes by that I don't know that Marcus is, you know, along with my other children, my greatest blessing. There is not a moment that I look at it that I say, why was this me, God? Why did you pick this for me? I know. I know why Marcus is mine. I know why he's in my life. And I can tell you that looking at my children and the lessons learned, the amount of compassion, the amount of fortitude, the amount of push, the amount of, sorry, I'm getting all emotional on you here. Of course you are. (laughs) I know we both are. Um, You know, the amount of drive, but you know, you look at Marcus and you look at the fact that he has lived his whole life in hospitals. I look at Marcus's friends that have lived So much of their life ill or as, you know, paraplegics or having cancer or having so many things. And I look at these kids and I say, for the love of God, I mean, they are the strength. You know, we look at athletes and we look at other people and we look at, oh, they're so strong. You know, they're out here. They're role models. These children are role models. These children are what we should strive to be like, to have compassion, to not judge people. You know, there's not a day that Marcus looks at anyone and ever judges them for the way that they look or the way that they are and so i i think that there are so many lessons and that have um been learned and growing and you know now as he ages my biggest goal that i strive to do knowing that he is one of those special needs kids that does have to stay with a parent or with someone for the rest of his life now that we've gotten to that point i want him to have his own legacy we all strive, and we all have dreams, and we all have visions, and we all have goals. And though Marcus's are very, very different, he has those too. And I feel that God has empowered me to make it my job, that he gets to have those rewarding moments. What are some and, of his
0: goals? What, what What is it that he says to you that he wants to do?
1: Well, you know, <laughs> he wants to run a car shop and have lots of Bugattis.
0: <laughs> are you buying a Bugatti? <laughs> <laughs> and
1: I'm um, and taking care of things. So um, my youngest son is actually going to UTI to be a mechanic um, outside of school. Um, so I'm hoping that he can start, you know, taking care of all the cars. Maybe instead of having a salon and spa one day, I will have a car dealership. <laughs> well, you are a successful business owner.
0: So I w- I- I- or maybe
1: I wanna... a detailing shop. Yeah, you right, know? right.
0: Well, and there was, there was one day, um, speaking of your salon, that you were doing my nails and I was talking to you and we were talking about your life. And and I looked at you and I said, you are so strong. And I don't know if you remember what you said to me. You looked at me, you said, you think I'm strong. You should meet my son. That's what you said. And I thought, damn. Yeah, you're right. And speaking of your kids and your other children, Mm -hmm. how has that balance been? Because you, you have to put so much into Marcus, but your other children need you as well. They need you too. Has there ever been as parents, don't you feel like there's, you always feel like you're falling short? There, you know, you, There's always yes. more you could be doing, and there's good days and there's bad days. Right. But with four children and one with special needs, which is the situation that you're in, how did you give enough to all of your uh, kids? You, 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 do, do they, are, is there <laughs> jealousy? Do oh. they, was there ever resentment? Not that they don't love Marcus, but did they ever feel like, wow, mom's doing so much for Marcus? Right. Because I'm sure other parents that are maybe listening to this podcast may feel that way, too, that they're mm-hmm. worried about down the road, are kids going to be resentful or anything like that? Yes.
1: And I, I would say that um, that's actually a topic that needs to be coming up oh, on your oh, podcast. Yes. Um, needs to be a whole discussion. But I can tell you that if I can use these frank words, being a sibling sucks. There is no way and nice way to, to say it. When you are in that situation, the same as us as parents, we have like the guilt complex, like here, our child is sick here. We're at the hospital all the time. You know what I'm saying? You, have you that can guilty. only do so much as you, one you person. feel guilty. You, you feel guilty for that. And then you feel guilty that you're not giving all of that to your other kids. Your children feel that same way they like my other children they love Marcus more than life and they are definitely their brother's keeper under every single terms and they will defend him and they will be there and they will take care of him and I know that as he ages you know I'm saying they will all be there for him but I can tell you that there isn't probably a day that goes by that they feel that same guilt that we feel as adults because they feel guilty inside of themselves for being angry at the fact that they don't get that same amount of attention but on the other side of that, they know that they can't get that same amount of attention because he's medically and critically ill. Yes. You know? Yes. And so it is such a balancing act. And I would say that as a parent in a short you do your best that you can. If you are married, if you have a spouse, if you have active family members in your life that are able to take care of your child, you know, with special needs or a disability, maybe setting aside those little times, and even if it's only once a month or once every two months, that you do something special with those other kids. Sure. To kind of separate, the, you know, and that to still out. have
0: that bond with them, and for them to feel like right. they still have their, they still have their mom, and they get their undivided attention. Right. But you're right. With siblings, there's always going to be that little bit right. of you aren't going to make right. you feel like you get enough
1: but what i can say is that marcus's siblings are definitely his grace from god and i say that because on the weakest moments of his parents being me and my ex-husband our children always rise above and they don't give marcus an inch and because they've never given him an inch he is as far as he is today. Though I can say I've been a very strong advocate and very powerful, let me tell you, his siblings, there isn't ever a time where they're not ready to yell at him. Yeah. You know, it's funny when he's... tough ends ho- him up a little bit. Right, right. Whenever he's hospitalized, it's funny. When they see he's critically ill or he's like passed out, they're like, okay, okay, we got to get him better. We got to get him better. The minute he's awake and he's eating and ready to play a video game, they're back to being normal siblings. Like, get the heck off the bed. They're at the hospital arguing with each each other and, <laughs> you know what I'm saying so just like this past year with Marcus's you know spinal injury they were you know everyone was there and they're around the bed and you know he went through months of, of bad news and I can tell you that right now a year later it, it is back to pick up your stuff why are you doing this stop being lazy <laughs> so you know at they hold him accountable They hold him accountable and though I think as parents we hold them accountable too I don't know any special needs Parent or a parent of someone with a disability, or even if we would talk about elderly loved ones as they're going through things that don't have that guilt, or don't sometimes, oh, tone it down a little bit from the push because, oh, you know, mom, it's hard for her to walk with the walker, or Marcus, it's really hard for him to get off the couch, and then you have these siblings there that are like, get off the couch, (laughs) which is which is the best for him, and he is, you know,
0: and he he takes so much of this in stride. Talking with you over the years and meeting Marcus, you you mentioned that he he doesn't complain. He just takes it as, okay, another appointment. I mean, right. he recognizes. Does he talk to you at all about that he has challenges that other children don't have? Does he talk about oh, these things?
1: Well, what I would say is that Marcus definitely has a sick, sick child complex or syndrome, as you'd call it. And what, what do you um, mean by that? Is that children that are critically ill or always ill and you're in the hospital and you're doing the routine and you're getting blood draws and you're getting x-rays and you're getting MRIs, that kind of becomes your job, you know? And so that's actually the transition process that we're in right now. Marcus um, in the last year had 150 therapy appointments, 150. Tammy, so, no wonder you know you've taken saying. some time
0: off from work.
1: <laughs> like 150. But before that, he's been in therapy since the day that he was born. You know what I'm saying? Since that that first visit at that nine-month-old age range, he has been in therapy his whole entire life. And so he is an expert, the way that you are an expert as being a radio host. He is an expert at being a sick child, getting him used to the fact like, okay, If you get better, and as you age, we have to do other things than just be good at the hospital. Through his school, Marcus actually goes to a very unique school, which is why I live in Walworth County, why I do not live near my salon and spa. It's called Lakeland School. And Lakeland School is a self-contained school for only children with disabilities ranging from low to medium to high functioning levels. And there, um, we actively now, now that he's better, you know, and now he, that he is finally, as we we're wrapping up the school year, he's finally back to school almost full days every day uh-huh. in the last like two weeks. Um, he's been back. We're wrapping up for next year, all of the different integration. He's helping right now in the art room with like small kids that's and, you know, great. do those kind of things. So, you know, getting so I him to of I can tell of that you, you're
0: you glad you made that decision, that you sent him to that school.
1: The best decision I ever made in my whole entire life and the best decision for him because yeah. I feel that some parents, it really You have to be accepting and know where your child is at and accept it. You have to realize that this is really what life is and be okay with it. Were there times where you couldn't accept it or didn't want to accept it? After I found out all of Marcus's multiple issues, I was more like... warrior I guess you'd say like I was on this mission like I gotta figure this out like this is our life and so I don't know that I I ever sat back to say this isn't reality I don't know why you just pulled up your bootstraps and started going yes but now what I can tell you um, 20 years later is that now that Marcus underwent this surgery this last year and now that we're embarking on his adulthood let me tell you Elizabeth, there are many days that I have sat there over this last six months thinking this is the rest of my life. OK, like this is the rest of our lives, me and him. So what's next? Because really the the surgery and all the appointments and everything you've done for 20 years, that was just normal living. You know, this this is just part of your yep. life. And this is going to continue on until Marcus passes on. So what does life look like? What is that plan? He's, he's going to be 20, um, and he only has two years left at his school. So he can stay by state law for two more years at his school, and that's it. His legacy is not sitting at my salon and spa every day being a greeter. For him, also feeling self-worth in the things that he does. So now that we've been a sick kid for all these years, how are we going to start to develop some of those other skills? Where are we going to you know, find different job avenues and different placement? You know, that may bring him that self worth, that gratification, you know, that we all want to feel no matter at what cognitive yep. level yep. we, you know, right. that we
0: are at. But like you said earlier in this podcast, you have to make the best decisions with the information you have right now. Mm-hmm. And you just really have to, I right. suppose, right? Take it just one day at right. a time, one year at a time, make plans because you don't want to be unprepared, but right. maybe not look 10 years down the road because a whole heck of a lot can happen. Now for you Tammy as we finish up this podcast for you what gets you through this you have a lot of faith and I know faith is a huge mm-hmm. part of your life mm-hmm. but what is it is it taking time to go meet a friend for coffee is it reading a good book I mean what do you do when you are just in it and you, you need to recharge. Right. What do you do? From what I learned from when Marcus was born and
1: kind of how I let things, I let things kind of falter to the side. When he was born and I was going to all those doctor's appointments, I actually gained over a hundred and some pounds. So I don't know if I've ever told you that, but I used to be like 222 pounds for I those who don't know. I can't even picture
0: you like that. <laughs> but because
1: I was on the caffeine, trying to stay awake, trying to take care of the other kids, trying to take care of Marcus, trying to figure it out and completely lost myself. So as I set out on my... Marcus embarking on this life threatening surgery that he just had I vowed to myself to use the skills that I had learned to make sure I was okay mentally health wise doing the best that I could not saying that I didn't have down days of alienation and depression I did but to do my best to rise above that Um, certain things that I did when I was at the hospital even though I didn't sleep I did bring my protein bars instead of of eating from the cafeteria um, and using comfort food Um, I did bring my my um what are those bands called resistance yes, bands the resistance bands people thought I was crazy um just to kind of exert that energy that mind energy once we got home and I couldn't leave my house because basically he needed help moving from chair to chair and everywhere um I actually would open the windows, put his chair in front of the windows so that he could yell if needed and I would walk from one corner to the other corner. Up and back. So I would jog up and back. Just to keep moving. (laughs) Just to keep moving and keep my mind free because I knew I needed to be out of those four walls. And I knew, which we didn't touch base on at all, but, you know, the need of you have your family and your friends, but they're not always there. They are there and they can be a great support system, but they can't be there 24 hours. And so there are those moments of feeling all different feelings. Yeah. You know, and without like you going said, into too a deep. lot of alienation. Yeah, absolutely. A, a, a lot of that. And it's not that they don't want to reach out sometimes that they don't they don't know if they're disturbing you. They don't know if... Um, They don't know the right things to say sometimes. Yeah, they don't know know if they're in the way. But, you know, the exercise, I would say exercise, whatever it is that you know within yourself before your child was ever even born or before the insult ever happened that helped relieve your brain a little bit, what you would do to de-stress. I actually started listening to podcasts. I started listening to radio shows um, and I would just put them on. Even I have one of those adapters that just go in your ear and I would be changing Marcus's bedding. I'd be moving him and I would be listening so that you're having outside interaction yeah. you know to keep your brain is really important yes and so, then, you you know, so you don't feel so alone right and then obviously there are services many services that are out there that like you can like what are some um, of them well independence first is you know a service company where you can get services through them to get like respite care nursing care you know to come into your home you also can always get someone who is a family member or a friend to do those acts Okay, yeah. so if it's not skilled nursing care, you can get friends. There is the IRIS program that's out there. There's Societies, AdSets, Um, There's Compass Wisconsin. So there's all different avenues that you can go so that you can possibly get that little hour of reprieve here and there to go away to do something with friends. I can tell you as a caregiver, though, especially in that critical time, you know, when your kids are kind of even kilter and it's all the same, the same, the same issues, same day, same bat channel... That's all right. But when when like you have something detrimental that's happening or they're going through a surgery or they're going through chemotherapy treatment or whatever, very hard for you to utilize those resources and walk away during those critical times because of that guilt, because of that feeling, though. So that's where walking outside in front of your house (laughs) if you can.
0: <laughs> Right, just to do something, to get out of the house, like you said, to get out of those four walls. And this mm-hmm. is why it's so great you're doing a podcast. I know you're also mm-hmm. working on a book because right. you are so full of information and experience. And you're honest about a lot of what you're going through. I mean, your struggles, your ups and your downs. You've always been so honest. And a lot of people, I feel like, look to you kind of as someone that they can learn from because you've been through so much. And you, you aren't someone that holds it all in privately yes. you will publicly say hey this is what we're dealing with this is what's going on and perhaps more people need to do that so thank you for coming and sharing Tammy your story with us thank and I you. know you're going to be back because you <laughs> are an advocate again Tammy Flynn if you want to get in contact with you in some way because this is what can kind of happen with these podcasts is that people connect with you mm-hmm. or maybe have questions what do you suggest what's the best way for people to get a hold of you
1: um probably my email your best and nothing less at gmail.com. So I don't know if you can put that in any. Yeah, I can put
0: that I can put that at 991TheMix.com. Mm-hmm. I can put that there as well. And Tammy Marcus is really lucky to have you as his mom. Oh, really? and I'm
1: lucky to have him. All of my kids, I'm lucky. I feel blessed every day.
0: You, I, I really you do. Are such an example of faith. I mean, mm-hmm. that's one of the other things that people the when when Tammy Flynn's name gets brought up, that's what people talk about. You yes. are you, you,
1: your faith your faith has to be first, um, and you have to know that no matter what the obstacle is, that God can and God will. Um, and I, I think that there is so much behind that belief, because if you don't believe, if you don't believe that you're going to get past this, if you don't believe that your child is going to be healed, if you don't believe that there is something greater and that you're here for this purpose— I feel like you have nothing I mean what is there then what is there what is it what's what is the there? point what's the point I'm excited about the excited about the new ventures excited to share as I was in the process of writing the book I said to myself I'm like I have so many' monumental people around me that have also experienced this, that have children with special needs, that have adult loved ones that are dealing with dementia and different illnesses that I'm like, you know, we need to bring something together. So when you're up at that 3 a.m. in the morning or 1 a.m. or you don't have anyone to listen to, you can click on it and you can actually get avenues of things that will not only inspire you, educate you and support you within your journey.
0: That's beautiful, Tammy. And when do you expect the book to be done?
1: I was shooting for November. November is National Caregivers Month. Okay. I was I was hoping for that, but right now I'm teetering between the the podcast, everything wrapping up, and starting that by November and finishing the book. And what I've learned over this um, succession of time is slow and steady wins the race, and you need to have in pace, patience, endurance is patience concentrated. You need to be in it for the long run. I love that. Well said. In it for the long run. In Tammy it for the long Flynn, run.
0: thank you so much. I hope to have you back on another podcast and like I said, hopefully promoting your podcast coming up. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to hear more, make sure to subscribe so you can be updated when there's a new episode. So to subscribe to this podcast on your smartphone, open your podcast app or use your Google Play app. In the search box, type in 50 Shades of K. That's spelled out. That's five zero shades of K. Once the podcast comes up, Click on it and then hit the subscribe button. And if you have any comments or suggestions for this podcast or a future podcast, feel free to email me at radio at gmail.com. That's Elizabeth, K-A-Y, Radio at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive.